We've talked a lot on this podcast about the importance of building habits, how habits make action easier and simpler, and how they make consistency, uh, arguably most important, easier and simpler to follow through on. We've talked about how habits could be the key to Uh, uh, getting certain outcomes in your life because every goal that you have is going to be made up of a certain set of behaviors that need to be completed over and over and over again in order to get to the finish line. And so habits play a massive role in our ability to improve our lives. But as we discussed in episode 790, which we published last week, there are a lot of popular views on how we form habits and tools that can be used to build habits that possibly we might need to question and we might need to revisit. And that's what I want to do in today's episode as well. We're going to be looking at the secret to consistency when it comes to habits. More specifically, we're going to be diving into a podcast episode I listened to recently by Dr. Andrew Huberman about how we build habits and what context we build that habit in. So this should be a super, super exciting episode, one that I'm very excited to bring to you. And you should be excited as well, because this is Tiny Leaps. Big changes. Big changes. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before we jump into the episode, I just want to give a huge shout out to a podcast I recommend you listen to. Once you're done with this episode, go check out the Mindfulness for Beginners podcast. If you're searching for a happier life, insight into your anxiety, or just how you can live free from suffering, I recommend that you go check out what my friend Sean is doing over on Mindfulness for Beginners. Each week, he introduces one of the fundamental concepts that will empower you to make change and guide you through a meditation that will unlock your ability to let go and start living in the present moment. So once you're done with this show, Search for Mindfulness for Beginners wherever you get your podcasts. Or, of course, you can click the link in the description of this episode. I'd also like to thank today's sponsor, Monk Pack. Monk Pack offers low-sugar, keto-friendly bars, which are plant-based, gluten-free, and non-GMO. They're the perfect snack for anyone who's trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. And that's really hard to do. I've tried a lot of the alternatives and taste is usually the first thing to go. But so far that has not been the case with Monk Pack. I've been stress testing them, trying all the different flavors. And so far I've not been disappointed. Today I've got a uh, sea salt dark chocolate. I'm going to be trying it right now. You're going to get a live reaction. Oh, 
Holy shit, that's good. Sorry, content warning. Uh, here, let me finish chewing. No lie, this might be my favorite one. Like, I've enjoyed the bars that I've had so far. This is, as the kids say, bussin' bussin'. They might actually not say that anymore. Monk Pack is perfect for a quick breakfast, a snack between Zoom calls, or a guilt-free, decadent dessert. They've got uh, uh, awesome flavors like sea salt, dark chocolate, coconut cocoa chip, caramel sea salt, the peanut butter one that I had last week. I'm really enjoying them. And you can get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code TINYLEAPS at checkout. That's Monk Pack, spelled M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com. Select any product you want and enter the code TINYLEAPS at checkout to save 20% off your first purchase. And they've got a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. Head over to monkpack.com and get started today with the code TINYLEAPS at checkout. Or of course, you can click the link in the description of this episode. Building habits is something we all know that we should be doing. And the benefits are very clearly there. The ability to reflexively, or at least near reflexively, do something, whatever that thing might be, makes it far more likely that you'll actually do it. And as we know, when it comes to creating change in our situations, in our outcomes, the most important factor is actually doing the things we know we should be doing and doing them for long enough for something to come from it. Doing the thing means getting the result or at least some percentage of the result. Maybe you won't get everything that you hoped for. Maybe it won't work out perfectly. But when you make progress, something will come from it. As such, in this space, there is a lot of commonly given advice about habit formation and how it works. And I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of the advice, it works. Like it, it works depending on how you use it in the context and so on and so forth. But it's good, solid advice. I've followed a lot of it myself. I've recommended a lot of it myself. Things like habit stacking, the practice of putting a new habit after an established one in order to sort of create that trigger relationship between the two, that works. Things like creating an execution plan and trying to practice the habit at the same time each day works. Tracking streaks and using the fear of loss as motivation to take action works. But as we discussed back in episode 790, just because something works doesn't mean it's the best way to do it if we're looking for long-term results. Now, if you haven't listened, last week in episode 790, I talked about the danger of streaks. I definitely recommend checking the episode out. But the key component is this. Tracking streaks can create an unhealthy relationship to the behavior. Maybe you'll actually follow through and take the action, but that typically happens out of fear. You're afraid of losing the streak rather than out of desire. And behaviors coming from a negative place, yes, the behavior might still happen, but is that really the life that you want to build? Is that the lifestyle you want to build? Is that the relationship to the behavior that you want to build? And what happens when you eventually lose the streak? Because yes, you might be the most consistent person in the world. You could build up a 300-day streak on something. But life is going to happen 
Life is going to get in the way. Maybe it'll be something extreme, maybe it won't, but something will get in the way at some point. That is a fundamental reality of human beings, and any strategy for driving behavior change needs to accommodate for it. Streaks ignore the realities of how complex life is, and in my opinion, it has the potential to depress action in the long term. And that's not the only commonly practiced tool that can have negative consequences. Take, for example, the idea that you should practice a habit at the same time every day. On the surface, this makes sense. If habits are a combination of a trigger, a behavior, and a reward, then setting a specific time as your trigger seems like a logical way to help make a habit stick. And it does work. But, and this is a big but, this is going to shock you. Make sure you're sitting down for this. The research seems to say that setting a habit for a specific time each day doesn't actually help you in the long term. In fact, it might increase the likelihood of you failing in the long term. What? That's crazy, right? So, okay, let me turn your attention to where I sort of learned all of this. Uh, It's this amazing podcast I've been listening to lately. It's called Huberman Labs, and it's hosted by Dr. Andrew Huberman, who is a neuroscientist and ophthalmologist at Stanford. And as a quick shout out, I just want to say thank you to Dr. Heather McKee. She is a behavior change specialist that I'll be inviting on the show in a few weeks. We're going to have a phenomenal conversation about how behavior change actually works and how we can apply it to our own lives. So make sure you look forward to that conversation. Uh, But she's the one who recommended this podcast to me. So quick shout out to her. So on this particular episode of the Huberman Labs podcast, Dr. Huberman talks about the biology of habit formation. In the episode, he discusses the way that you would measure the strength of a behavior, which was actually fascinating. I never really heard anybody talking about how do we actually check how strong a habit is or isn't. Um, So he breaks it down into two criteria. The first is how context independent the behavior is. And the second is how much limbic friction it has. And limbic friction is a fancy way of saying how many mental barriers you need to blow through in order to get the thing done. So if a habit is context independent, meaning you do it regardless of where you are or what time it is, and it's relatively easy from a mental effort perspective to do, then you have a strong habit. Now, the piece we want to look at for this episode is context dependence, but we're definitely going to be talking about limbic friction in a future episode, so look forward to that. So one major problem with practicing a habit at the same time each day is that you're reinforcing the behavior inside of a specific context, and that context is, of course, the time of day. If you choose 9 a.m., as the time you're going to execute this particular thing, then that habit becomes tied to the context of 9 a.m. This makes it very context-dependent. And in the beginning, this might actually help you to take more action because it could remove some of that limbic friction, that other criteria that is attached to the behavior. Rather than having to go through the mental effort of deciding, oh, am I going to do it? Am I not? Blah, blah, blah. Like you just have the decision made by the clock. Is it 9 a.m.? Great. I'm doing the thing. 
that can be helpful when you're first starting a habit. And by the way, this is one of the biggest benefits of habit stacking as well. But in the long term, it opens up this potential for failure. Because what happens if there are temporary shifts in your life that make the behavior more difficult to do in that context? For example, if you're traveling and you happen to oversleep your alarm, now it's no longer 9 a.m., are you still going to do the behavior? It's easy to believe and say that you would. We, we all want to do that because we want to see ourselves in our best light. But more often than not, we're actually lying to ourselves here. The habit is tied to this particular context, and now that context is gone. So there's really nothing to reinforce the behavior happening. And if you really stop and think about your own life and your own behaviors, you'll see that this has played out more often than you probably realize. And what happens if those changes become more permanent? Maybe you start a new job and 9 a.m. just doesn't work for you anymore. Well, in that scenario, you'll have to rebuild the habit from scratch. Now, of course, you'll still maintain some benefit of having built up the, the, the habits around uh, executing the actual behavior itself, but the context will be lost. And that's a core component of the habit itself. The habit is more than just the behavior. It's also the context in which that behavior occurs. But with all of that said, and this is my own argument here, all habits start with some degree of context dependence. Because of course, there's going to be a context in which you build the habit. That context might be the gym. You are working out in this specific location and that becomes a context for that habit. It might be the time of day that you're likely to do it. It might be the habit that you're stacking it on top of. All habits will have some kind of context attached to it in the beginning. So it's not about how we avoid context dependence. What we should be asking is how do we make the habit dependent on a context that is easier to work with? And my interpretation of that Huberman podcast, which is linked up in the description of this episode if you want to listen to it, um, is that what we should do is build our habits around a consistent context that exists for a long period of time and will likely always exist. And the one that he argues for is a particular neural state. So I'm paraphrasing here, but Huberman says that our brain chemistry is shockingly consistent throughout certain phases of the day, and he breaks it down into three phases. So the first phase is zero to eight hours after waking up. And he argues, and there's a lot of literature to back this up, that you have a particular balance of dopamine, serotonin, and other receptors during this time. And then that balance shifts in phase two, which is eight to 16 hours after waking up. And then again, uh, in phase three, 17 to 24 hours after waking up. So his argument is that rather than worrying about what time of day you do the behavior, because that's such a limited context to work in, or worrying about the location, because again, that's such a limited context to work in, you focus on slotting behaviors into specific phases. Doing this allows you to build a habit that is context dependent, but not on location and not on time. Instead, it's dependent on a specific state of brain chemistry. Like, how cool is that? So when you have this particular balance of dopamine, serotonin, and all of these other things, 
you're more likely to take that behavior. That that's cool. That's that's like that's like brain hacking. And the really cool part is that this makes it easier to continue that behavior regardless of if you miss the time or happen to be traveling or any of those things. Because here's the fun part about using our brains as the context. They come with us when we travel. They're always there. And you have an eight-hour window to complete the activity within this particular balance. So it's large enough that you're able to make it work. Now, I do want to add here, he also argues that certain types of habits and behaviors are best uh, when done during certain phases, but I'm actually going to save that for another episode, or if you just want to go listen to his podcast, which really recommend it. I'm on like listen number three, and it's an hour and a half long, so definitely check it out if you're into that type of thing. Um, He makes that argument. I'm not going to talk about that here. The main thing I wanted to get across is this. Building your habits around a specific time or specific location can be helpful in the beginning, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it. What I'm saying is that we need to question what it is that we're using as our strategy. There are drawbacks to every piece of information around habit formation and changing our lives and behavior that we find, especially the really popular things, the things that everyone is talking about. Oftentimes, it's what everyone is talking about because it's really easy to grab onto and share, not because it's actually the most effective. And this is one example. Building your habits around a specific time can be helpful in the beginning, but long term, it's potentially harmful. So for certain types of activities and certain types of goals, that might not be a negative. Maybe we're going for a sprint. Maybe we want to accomplish this specific thing by this specific date and we need to do certain behaviors for this amount of time in order to get there. Maybe that's it. And if so, take advantage of the fact that setting it to a certain time can make it easier to take action immediately. Though I would still consider how this question of the phases of the day fits into that strategy. But if your goal is to create long-term change, then don't worry about what time of day you do it. Worry about what is your particular state that you're doing it in. If you can do that, then you create a habit that is dependent still, at least in the beginning, but it's dependent far more on you and the things that you carry with you rather than anything external. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. This was super fun for me to go through, but I want to hear your thoughts. If you're not in the Discord yet, join us. Head over to tlbc.co slash community and, uh, or just click the link in the description and introduce yourself. Let me know what you thought about this episode and uh, whether or not you're going to try this. Before we go, I want to remind you to check out today's podcast partner, the Mindfulness for Beginners podcast phenomenal show. Sean is doing great work educating people on how mindfulness works. And if that's something you're interested in, you should check it out. Just search mindfulness for beginners wherever you're listening to this show. And then finally, check out today's sponsor, Monk Pack. I've really, really been enjoying their product. I'm about to buy more because I think I'm running out. Um, I think you should check them out. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack. Just visit monkpack.com and enter the code TINYLEAPS at checkout or click the link in the description of this episode. Thanks again. I've been Greg Clunas. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. Every day.